Exercise doesn't have to be painful. Your diet doesn't need to be bland and boring. It's time to have less pain and move more and learn how to be better to yourself. Welcome to Pain-Free Day with your host, Joshua Cohen. In this program, you'll learn the pain-free way to eat, the pain-free way to exercise, and the pain-free way to live a better life. Now, here's Joshua Cohen. Hello. Welcome to Pain-Free Day. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Cohen. We have a really interesting show today. I'm very excited about it. I have my good friend, uh, Mike, Mike Schultz. He's a uh, full-time coach. Uh, he'll be joining us today. He's an online uh, endurance coach. He's been coaching for 12 years. Um, he and I became friends years ago when we started training and racing together. And he's just, he's gone very far with racing. He's done 24-hour mountain bike races himself. Um, he's also a writer. He's a blogger. He's certified as a certified strength and conditioning uh, specialist. He's worked out with very high level athletes, Olympic level athletes. He's trained Olympic level athletes. He's also a USA cycling certified coach and he is a certified trainer. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right, man. Um, well, yeah, you're right. I've been, uh, at this, uh, full-time coaching for about 12 years now and, uh, way back in the early 2000s, uh, late 90, 1990s, um, you know, I, uh, I pretty much gave up everything to race my bike and started uh, trying to race my bike and learn about the strength and conditioning side of uh, endurance training. Um, and so, uh, yeah, today um, I'm a certified specialist uh, with the NSCA. Um, you know, I run highlandtraining.net and uh, I'm also involved with uh, some other, uh, you know, affiliates and programs and, and so forth. Um, so, um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I'm here to speak about, um, you know, pain-free and uh, strength and conditioning. Um, so, That's right. Well, first off, how, uh, how did you get into uh, endurance coaching? So um, that's a good question. And uh, um, that's a good question because um, I quit my corporate job back in the uh, 2000 and um, lived out of a cabin in the small woods, which you remember, Josh, uh, we, yes, we did I do. lots of long rides out of there. And uh you know, I, I basically lived a very simplistic life for what, like six, seven years until um, I started asking the question, you know, what, how am I going to make a living? Like, what am I going to do for, I need to work. Uh, and, uh, and so back, I would say 2007, 2008 is when I started searching out and gaining certifications and, you know, I got certified as a personal trainer and then um, I got certified in, as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, so I got certified as a specialist. Um, I gained a, my USA cycling certification um, and I started putting all that together with uh, all the riding that I've been doing and, and studying heart rates. And then now uh, that's where power started to come in and uh, technology really picked up around the uh, late 2000s there. Um, um, with all of that info, I um, was able to study many theories and uh, science over the years, um, all the while, you know, uh, marketing business um, and uh, gaining on clients. Um, and so uh, in a nutshell, that's how I got started. And uh, I'm still doing it today um, with a full roster. Uh, and I don't race as much, but uh, I still get out and ride uh, often. You probably don't have time to race as much with all the clients that you're seeing at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's uh, it, with a full load of clients, um, you have to work for these people. And, and, and uh, you know, um, but within that, uh, you still got to ride. So I still have to ride to, um, to maintain, um, you know, 
just kind of like a base knowledge of, of what I'm giving people and, and, and so forth. And so, oh, sure. And I so agree with that. And that brings up a very valid point in that I always like to talk about how um, it's important to practice what you preach. You know, and, um, I, you know, you and I, we grew up a generation ago where there are a lot of doctors. I had a lot of relatives who were doctors who would say stuff like, oh, do as I say, not as I do. And it's really hard to listen to somebody who's saying that, you know, I don't race as much now as, you know, as you well know, I really don't race that much at this point because I'd rather spend time with my kids. I'd rather watch them compete. Um, you know, but I still keep myself active. I still do a lot of exercising, yoga, weightlifting, cycling, because I need to practice what I preach. If I'm recommending other people do it to keep themselves feeling good, I need to be doing that myself. Kind of like you, you know, it's like if, you want, if you're going to be in coaching endurance athletes, you need to be getting out there and feeling what it's like and knowing what you're putting them through. Correct. Um, and, you know, you, you, with family and kids and work, um, now, I work with a lot, I've worked with a lot of people over the years. So I've seen the full range from, um, you know, the beginner age grouper all the way up to the elite elites. And, um, I will, I will say that, um, uh, you know, sometimes the age groupers, which are the 30 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old, um, athletes, uh, they have full-time jobs and they have families. Um, and, and they could have two, four kids. They could have uh, two different businesses. Um, I've seen everything. And somehow or some way they fit in the training. And so um, they're very dedicated. You know, you have to be a very dedicated person uh, for that. Um, but they and I can't get in the hours um, that you could get in when you didn't have all of the responsibilities in life. And so, um, so, you know, what I do with a lot of people is I help those people, uh, become more focused in, in training and that, that gives them gains because in reality, you know, for an average age group, uh, athlete, someone who's focused on even one marathon a year, or maybe a few bike races a year, anywhere between six hours and eight hours a week on average is about what people will get in, um, yeah. Yeah, but, but I find that that's so accurate, though, and that you have to have a bit of a game plan down. You have to have a bit of an idea of what to do, and everybody's motivated by different things. I have find some of my patients, they're fine, like myself. I'm fine with just exercising in my basement and an exercise room that I have there. I'm, I'm motivated. Other people, though, their motivation comes from, you know, they want to have somebody that they paid laying things out for them or waiting for them to go and work out with them, you know, and having you lay it out for them. Hey, they already, they kind of have an idea of what to do, but you kind of lay it out and, you know, kind of spell it out for them. It makes a huge difference. It makes it much easier to do. Yes. And, and, and I do it on the, um, like a, a really detailed way. I mean, uh, I, I write programs every week for, for people in just one week at a time and we're really in touch every week and uh, finding out what's going on in their lives and, um, their schedules. And so, you know, I provide a very detailed, uh, uh, uh way to go about training and, and, I'm sure that's, um, that's a, a luxury. Um, but it, you know, for just a beginner, um, someone who's just maybe, you know, just like you said, uh, I think you kind of hit on a, a good point and it's that you got to find out what you like to do. Um, so for everyone I work with and what I like to do is ride my bike. I just love to ride my bike. Same um, here. Yep. Yeah. I lo love the feel. I love the wind. I love the views. I love the routes. I just love in trails. I, you know, I like riding trails. I like the challenge of it, the camaraderie and so forth. Um, so that in itself just keeps me motivated. 
everyone, if everyone could find that, that would be, that's key. And it, I mean, it doesn't need to be bike riding and it doesn't need to be running. It, it could be um, stair climbing. I mean, uh, we live in a city of Pittsburgh with a billion <laughs> stairs, right? And I yep. mean, there's it, all these urban routes that are mapped out with stairs, mm-hmm. right. you know? Right. Yeah. And so you take something like that and you say, well, how do I get stronger at it? Because I like doing it. So whatever it is, it could be rowing. Um, it could be, it could be whatever it is. You, you, you then uh, start there. And if you find something you love, then you're going to stick with it. That's the key. I think that's where a lot of people fail. Um, I, so. I so agree with that. And that's part of what I talk to people about when I'm trying to talk to them about finding a trainer, finding like a yoga studio, finding like, you know, starting any type of exercise routine, you know, trust their instincts, you know, and you out there listening, please listen to your instincts. You're going to react to an instructor. You're going to react to a style of exercise. You're going to react to a, a studio, all of that stuff you're going to react to. And if you don't like it, you're not going to go that often. You know, it's just, it's pretty much that simple. So it makes a big difference to really like what you're doing. So then you're going to be motivated to keep doing it and doing it. And from what I see, the main benefit with exercise only comes when we're doing it consistently, not hardcore, but more just mild to moderate intensity for most of us. You know, Mike, you deal with a lot of higher level uh, athletes, you know, so they're going to want to be going a lot more intense, mild, you know, um, People who are just beginning, they don't want to go that hard, but they want to trust their instincts. They want to get into something that they enjoy doing. So um, consistency is the key. Uh, I I think that uh, if you had to take a a single most important factor uh, uh, in the success of an exercise program, it's the consistency that counts. And so if you can do, um, you can do any exercise program the results will come in like how consistent um, are you with that program over time um, and how long can you go with that consistency to push physical limits? That's the key. Um, And so like the guys that I have, for example, that can only get in a few hours a week, sometimes we'll never take really a week off. We just keep going, 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 going for four or five weeks or even six weeks. And then say, okay, let's take a week easy because you need it. You deserved it. Um, now the the other the other ones that can fit in more hours per week, well then you know you go two or three or four weeks and then you take a break. Um, but it doesn't matter what whatever volume you're putting in, um, the the consistency part has to be there, uh, or it, it won't work. It's um uh, you need to um, over time slowly stress the body and then give it rest in order for it to respond to that stress and that's how you get stronger in anything you do um if you don't supply some level of stress then um you may just maintain where you're at um um, i should also say that there's always going to be a percent of the population that's going to be really hard for (laughs) no matter what they do um and and i deal with that now um and uh out of the 500 people i've consulted with or seen Uh, Plus, um, over the past many years, you know, there's there's a couple that have struggled, even with tons of consistency. Um, The answers for that are not uh, very clear. But I will say that that's a small, very small part of the population. Um, And even if you struggle, you can still make strength gains like uh, and I'm talking about struggle with uh, maybe weight loss or, um, you know, um, the strength gains can still happen, even if you're struggling in that department. You know, so. 
Definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. And also along those lines, you know, um, with what you're talking about with consistency, I really see it where that's why it's so important to pick something that doesn't hurt. You know, you want to exercise in a way that you're not beating yourself up or making yourself worse because you want to be able to do it consistently. And if you hurt yourself, you won't be able to do it for very long. You know, that's correct. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, the instructors, uh, it it, it matters to have a really good instructor. Um, There's uh, uh, there are a lot of crazy trends out there in exercise. I think less and less now because there's more um, professionals in the field. But um, yes, no matter what you do, I mean, again, you, you go back to um, if it's if it's weightlifting and you want to get stronger with just weightlifting over time, um, you know, you, you need your hard days and your easy days uh, and uh, the type of, of lifts uh, will matter. What I would say is if, let's just say that's your base goal is just to get stronger with weightlifting. Well, then is there something you do around your house that you would like to feel better at, such as gardening or, um, or do you like to hike? Um, if you start with those activities and then say, I just want to feel stronger when I hike or I just want to feel strong, then you can kind of tailor some straight strength and conditioning behind that so that you are. And in that, that simplicity right there um, with consistency over time is what, what uh, makes a, a big difference. Uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So um, what do you do for exercise? How do you take care of yourself now? Well, <clears throat> outside of lifting a three-year-old, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> which is a lot of work. Um, but uh, yes, I, I still ride. So I uh, do work for myself and I work at home. So um, it's uh, definitely easier for me to fit in hours. It's still hard. Um, I, I will say this. I was just thinking about this is that you got to be really in, in order to make this all happen and be consistent. You have to be like really firm with your time because if you miss 15 minutes or 20 minutes, then if you let that slip by, then all of a sudden you may not have that one hour to work out for that day. Um, so, you know, today after this, uh, recording, I'll probably, uh, get a bike workout in. It's nice and sunny out finally. Um, but, uh, yeah, I tend to ride, um, my goal is always like 10 hours, uh, 11 hours a week on my bike. Um, and then, uh, I just, for the strength and conditioning stuff, um, I rebuild my house. <laughs> that's, uh, that's one way I do it. Um, because it's really hard work, but, uh, but outside of that, I, I do, um, sessions with, uh, um, kettlebells and dumbbells. I keep it really simple. Um, sometimes I can do it in my office, uh, just doing, um, you know, renegade rows, uh, doing some burpees. Um, throwing together some simple uh, sets and uh, about once a week uh, for the strength stuff. Uh, so. You know, but, but uh, you hit on a good point in that it doesn't have to be very complicated. It really doesn't. You know, I mean, it can be very simple. You know, no, I, um, yeah, and I was I was listening to an interview with Pavel Tsatsalin, the guy who did who brought kettlebells over to the U.S. He said that he's basically just doing renegade row or sorry Turkish getups and kettlebell swings, and they're both full body exercises. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you don't really have to do much more than that, but you have to get yourself in shape in order to be able to do those. Well, yes. And that's a good point. So if we just talk about the strength uh, training aspect of things, and especially for the general population, um, one of the key things to remember is, uh, is, it, is the exercise full range of motion. So, um, you, you know, when you look at a Turkish get up, you're, you're laying on the ground, and you're pressing a, a kettlebell, or you could probably do it with dumbbells over your head and you're standing up. And if you think about what's happening to this shoulder joint, for example, um, when you stand, you're rotating that joint. So 
basically you're you're working that that full range of motion of strength that's what makes you really strong right um, um, if you're doing single or simple exercises like a dumbbell curl although they're they can be good they're a good exercise you know you focus on less muscles so um, you know I love the whole kettlebell revolution and uh, all the exercises that come with that now I will say is that with some of those exercises, you do need to have some base of strength. Um, yep. So, so like just the traditional squats. And, you know, you don't even need a squat bar to do squats. You can get strong with squats with just your body weight. Yep. Just do, 20 set, do a set of 20 squats. If anyone's listening to this podcast, do a set of 20 squats with no weight. Um, keep your knees, you know, over the toes, not any further. Uh, squat down with your 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 um, thighs about parallel to the ground and give it 20 up and down 20 times and then do two or three sets of that and then tell me how you know sore your quads and your hips are going to be just from doing that um, you know that's how you kind of build a base of strength and you can also build a base of strength just with uh, planks um, or um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, moves in yoga that I always bring in, such as uh, warrior poses. Um, uh, they, they incorporate both stretching and strengthening. But um, you can use, you can, with body weight and a few, few kettlebells or just one or two, dump, or two dumbbells, um, you can do a lot of strength work. I agree. And actually, the, with the pain-free lifestyle exercise uh, program that I have on my website on, on uh, CohenTriggerPoint.com or Pain-FreeLifestyle.com, um, that's exactly what I do is I take people from not exercising to, okay, you need to start out with these mild exercises, you know, with some light dumbbells, and you slowly work your way up to doing more complex, um, more complex muscle motions, you know, more functional movements. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it takes time in order to be able to build up to that. You can't just jump right into it. Otherwise, you end up hurting yourself. Correct. And, and I don't think it needs to be complicated. Um, I, I think it, uh, I mean, you could start with uh, four or five exercises um, and get those done in 30 minutes and do that twice a week um, and then move up to, you know, maybe double that uh, for an hour uh, a week, uh, maybe once or twice uh, a week. And, you know, there's a lot of variables and, and um, uh, where people are at and, and how much strengthening they need. But I will say this is that if you start with body weight, then you can't go wrong because you need to at least lift your body weight. Um, so if you're ever intimidated by strength work or then don't think about weights and this is coming from a professional, just do body weight. You could do a wall squat, sit on, sit, sit against the wall, make sure your legs are parallel with the ground and hold that for 60 seconds. See how strong your quads are. Um, or, or you can do uh, off the top of my head, just thinking of certain exercises, um, you know, going back to the warrior ones, you can, it's just a lunge and putting your hands over your head. That's all that is. Um, and, uh, you know, by doing those lunges again, that works your hips and your quads and, uh, you know, your core. So um, just simple push-ups. If you can get some of that stuff down first, then you can move on to weights, but be confident there, start there and move on. See, that's such a key point. You want to be comfortable with what you're doing first before you move on to something else. You know, and you want to give yourself a little bit of time and make sure, hey, I'm not getting super sore from doing this before I progress on to moving on to, you know, increasing the weight or doing a new, new exercise. Because it's, you know, every exercise that you do, if you're not used to it, you'll get very sore from just doing a very little amount of weight because you're not used to it. You haven't used those muscles in a long time. 
Right, nope. right, yeah. Um, flexibility is another key thing. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think about everything that, um, um, or why people fail at exercise sometimes. And, you know, sometimes it's because, oh, I've been lifting and now I can't stand up straight or I, I'm, you know, I've tight this or tight that. And then, um, you know, we, I think we mentioned the other day, uh, once you're in motion, it's easier to stay in motion. So <laughs> once you, once you start exercising a bit, it's easier to, to, to keep that going. But then, you know, we hit a point where you have to take a break because you're too sore or something. Sometimes it's really hard to get back into it. Um, oh, it's so is. And it's like, I mean, that's part of the issue is that if somebody hasn't exercised in five to 10 years, it's so hard for them to start a new routine, to start, you know, just putting their first step in the gym and, it, you know, first foot in the gym. And if the person's overweight, if they don't feel comfortable or confident with themselves, it's even harder, you know, and it just, it takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot to kind of get yourself to take that first step, you know, but I do agree with you with flexibility. I think flexibility is key. And I think I kind of look at it as it's like, you know, if you can't, if you're not flexible, you it doesn't matter how fast or strong you are, you can't move, you know, right. flexibility is key. Yeah. I, I read somewhere or I heard somewhere it takes 90 days to create a habit. So if you could do something for three months straight, um, you can kind of create a small habit with it. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it kind of makes sense, you know, common sense. Um, a few months in a row is like, uh, yeah, like I said, once you get that in motion, you might, you might keep it in motion. Um, and so that's, that's another key point is, is don't have this goal of, I just want to get in shape. Um, you need to set a goal of, uh, you know, how long are you going to continue this program i mean where do you see yourself in three or four months and um you know and, and that's where on my end even when i get complete beginners that just get into the sport which i've worked with and do now um my first suggestion is to you know if you're into running or cycling it's easy because there's lots of events but find some kind of event um uh to work towards and usually and that's why events are so big because they're motivating uh, yeah so having I, a goal yep. yeah ha having a goal even if it's a 5k um you know that's uh it's only a few miles for a run but that goal will keep you motivated long term you know, See, so. and I think it's so re so important to be realistic about your goals as well. You know, it's you're not going to go from not exercising into bench pressing 400 pounds in six months. You know, no. it's just just not going to happen. But yet, so you have to be realistic about what you're planning on doing. But then also, what I find as well is you have to be realistic about when you're going to fit it into your day. You and I both have kids. We have careers. We have spouses, you know, it's hard to fit it in. And what I find is that most people in our position, they're going to want to exercise in the evening because nobody wants to wake up early in the morning. Correct. But, you know, you, you come home from work at the end of the day, you sit on the couch nine out of 10 times, you're not leaving after that, you know? And right. So right. I, gen I generally think you're better off trying to do it in the morning, you know, before you go to work versus afterwards, you know, when you're tired and you have 20 million things going on. You know, everyone's schedule differs and, um, someone who works, uh, uh from, you know, 8am to 5pm in general in that time, um, that's the hardest, it is the hardest, uh, hurdle, especially with kids and family and all, um, for those single people out there, uh, life is a lot easier. Um, uh, back when I could get in 20 hours a week. Um, it was easy because you could just work out <laughs> at night and, uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's what keeps people from, from exercising a lot is life responsibility. Um, and, uh, and once that's piled on and off and it's too hard. Um, but you know, that's where also communicating with your partner, 
um, you know, hey, this is important to me. Uh, you know, I want to come home. I want to spend 30 minutes on exercise and then, you know, I can help. Um, and being very strict about that. That's what, that's, that's what would count. Or, you know, on my end, what I see, um, a lot of people get up at uh, 5.36 a.m. And although that is hard, um, after having, you know, kids and stuff, gets a little easier. I do it on the weekends. Um, <laughs> Dude, same here. At this yeah. point for me, sleeping in is sleeping in until seven. And I feel great when I can do that, you know? <laughs> great, <laughs> but, right. That's yeah, exactly you know, it. But realistically, yeah. it's like, you know, if I want to exercise and I want to do the stuff that I want to do, I need to wake up a little earlier because there's not enough time, you know, to really fit it all in. You create a habit. That's my, my thing. And, and if you really, you know, you really got to want the exercise part. So if you really want it, um, then create that habit and, and just do it three times a week. Maybe you can, if you, if you're married, you can make a deal with your partner that I could do this, I'll do this twice a week in the evenings and the rest will be in the morning. So, you know, there's always a way to work around things. Oh, there, there's always compromises. And, and what, what I found over the years is every time my kid's schedule has changed, my exercise um, schedule has changed. You, know, you right. just kind of work it around. It's like, okay, well, right now, Monday mornings are free, so I can do this. All right, well, my kid's now going to school on Monday mornings or doing this Monday morning, so I can't do that. So let me find another time that I can do it. And it's just kind of like a, it's just a balancing act that we're kind of going through all throughout you know, life because we need to keep exercising. We need to keep moving. You know, one of the things that I see too, it's like, you know, life is difficult, but it's a lot easier when you feel good, when you feel stable, when you feel confident, when your body feels good, it makes everything a little easier. It does. And uh, I mean, I would say that the main um, core component of sticking with it is having those long-term goals um, and creating habits. And so, um, if you can do both of those and starting simply, if I had to, if I had to sum up three things, um, those are the three key things, keep it simple, create a habit, have a long-term goal. If you can do that, you know, and, and really be hard on yourself about it, um, with being strict with it every single week, then I think that's, uh, that's one of the big keys. That, that makes sense. And actually that brings us uh, to a good point to break. Um, we'll do a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back and continue the talk with Mike Schultz. Uh, Mike, this has been very interesting. I greatly appreciate it. I'll talk to you in a minute. Cool. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you in pain? Has your doctor told you that you need to start exercising, but you don't know where? Do you want to exercise, but you are in too much pain? Or you start a new exercise routine only to injure yourself and have to stop? How do you exercise when you are in pain? How do you exercise and eat to reduce pain and inflammation? Is your pain associated with what you eat? If you have any of these questions or are interested in any of the topics discussed on Dr. Joshua Cohen's show, then you'll want to check out CohenTriggerPoint.com. You'll find information on all of the topics covered on the show. The site features an extensive library of blogs covering most health topics. There's also an exercise and nutrition program that is designed to get you from not exercising at all to moving, exercising, and eating healthy in consistent ways that are easy on your body and wallet. Join the gentle revolution. Go easy on your body because the rest of the world won't be easy on you. Exercise smarter, not harder. Eat smarter. Don't follow fad diets. 
exercise sustainably, eat sustainably, have a pain-free day. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are, at home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Pain-Free Day with Joshua Cohen. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to josh at cohentriggerpoint.com. Now, back to Pain-Free Day. Welcome back to Pain-Free Day. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Cohen, and I'm here with my good friend, Mike Schultz. Uh, we've been talking about training and exercising, and we're going to continue to. The second half, uh, Mike and I would like to talk a little bit about overtraining, tendinitis, chronic issues that you can get from exercising and how you treat those. Um, so, Mike, what, are, what would be some signs that you are overtraining or need to take some time off? Well, uh, signs of, the, of overtraining, um, you know, when you're, you're pushing and pushing and pushing, and uh, there are a lot of people that uh, tend to overtrain sometimes. Um, uh, some of the big signs, uh, obvious ones, is soreness. And so uh, continued muscle soreness. And uh, muscle soreness that, that's not going away after taking a few days easy or a few days off. Um, um, obviously injury, um, you know, uh, bone fractures and stuff like that on the extreme end. Um, but for those that really get into exercise and that are addicted to exercise and um, and they, they get a lot out of it, which is great. Um, you know, week after week after week after week, especially if they're doing a lot of high intensity, um, you know, um, some signs that people overtrain can start with the mind. And so, um, you know, you have, um, you start to get a little irritable, I would say. And uh, that irritability is, um, is, is sometimes motivation to exercise. This is, this is the pattern it goes through. And then you exercise, you feel good but then that irritability comes back. And when I speak about irritability, I would say things like dropping a pencil on the ground or, you know, your significant other does something that's just normal that you get really uh, upset about. And, um, and then you kind of have a negative view of exercise, like, man, it's starting to become a chore. Um, when we get into the elite side of it and working with athletes, you, know, you have um, heart rates, which I always suggest everyone get into learning. Um, heart rates and power and how they're feeling doing a certain sport. Um, and so, you know, and, and all of these signs will happen with all of these people. And it's, it's not really the goal to push to that level. It's the goal to stop right before that, take a break and then come back. Um, uh, and, and, you know, take a week where it's really easy and then come back and exercise more. Um, uh, but, uh, but the other signs of, of overtraining are, you know, when you have trends over, let's say three or four days, uh, where uh, let's say you're a runner, a 5k runner, and you're able to do a certain um, minute per mile. And all of a sudden that goes from you're doing eight minute miles to 13 minute miles. And you really can't push beyond that. And you've tried really hard for three or four days and you've been at it for weeks. Well, then that's a sign that you're pushing your limits. And if you keep pushing beyond that, that's where you can lead into overtraining. Um, I actually think it takes a lot to get to the overtraining stage, but, but it can happen. So I do, I see it with regular people as well as like endurance athletes as well, you know, and as long as, as well as high level athletes. And 
part of the way that I describe it to my patients is, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you, you know, you're having trouble waking up, you're super tired, you feel like a truck ran over you, or, you know, you're craving a lot of sweets, you know, or like you said, you're grumpy and cranky, you know, or one of the things that I like is, you know, I live in a house where I have a couple flights of couple, a couple of uh, floors. When I'm feeling good and recovered, I can run from the basement to the second floor, skip every, every other step, not even be winded. But if I'm uh, need to be if I need to recover, if I'm overtrained or you know just kind of need to take some time off, I'll walk up one flight of steps, feel my legs burning, I'll be out of breath. I'm like, oh, why am I feeling feeling like this? And you know, it's more so like trying to stop yourself before you get to the point of where you know, your muscles are tweaky, things are a little more inflamed, you're a little more susceptible to injuring yourself, you know, things like that. You know, and I always kind of like to, you know, I got this from you, where, um, you know, I like to do three weeks hard, and then one week easy. And that kind of builds in that one week of just kind of backing off doing half the amount of time that you usually do and letting your body rest and recover. Because I really find the main difference as we age is that you don't recover as quickly as you did when you were younger. And so anything we can do to help with our recovery, um, I mean, anything we can do to help decrease inflammation helps with our recovery. Anything we can do that helps with our recovery will help us get into better shape. You know, one of the major ways that steroids work is they just increase your recovery, help you recover quicker. Right. And so um, when it comes to all of this, uh, you, you, you touch on a key point with the steps. And so, um, you know, just walking upstairs, it's, it's a kind of a good example. Um, I always kind of try to direct people to learn heart rates. And, uh, you know, especially if, if you get into exercise and you get into do anything aerobically, then, you know, learning where your heart rates are, um, are really key. And, and I've written extensively on both of these subjects uh, with overtraining um, and heart rate. Um, and heart rate is, it's a genetic thing. Everyone's heart rates and their thresholds are different, um, slightly. Uh, but, but learning, um, even if you, you keep it really general, I mean, the majority of people, and I've probably viewed a hundred thousand power and heart rate files, uh, over the past 12 years. And so the trends is, is that I've, I rarely see people, um, with heart rates, uh, threshold heart rates below 160 beats a minute. And, uh, there are very few above 190 beats a minute. Okay. Um, there are some young kids above uh, like 19, 20 year olds uh, that get above that range. Um, but if you can take it in a very general idea and say, I'm going to start using heart rates and you get your heart rate into the one sixties, regardless of what your threshold is, it's still going to be, it's a hard effort. But it, it, when it's, when you exercise repeatedly day after day after day and you do the aerobic stuff and your heart rates are not responding and let's say they're staying in the 130s or 140s. And generally, 130s and 140s for anyone is pretty low. Um, and your, your perceived efforts raises. That's the other part of it. So how are you perceiving this exercise? When that goes up and it's really like, man, this is really hard. And the heart rates are really low. And that happens repeatedly after day after day after day. That's the very first sign. That's not a sign of overtraining. That's just a sign of pushing your limits. The, the issue is when people take it beyond that because they feel like, nah, they're not doing enough and <laughs> they're getting slower. This is a big issue out there. And then they say, we need to do more. And so then you do more and you keep going, keep going. That's what leads to overtraining. Yeah, but you dig yourself deeper and deeper into that overtraining hole the more you do that. So recognizing like those signs of fatigue, um, you know, obviously I've studied this for years and years and years. Um, written about it a lot, um, but it, it takes a lot for, for the everyday person to really 
um, get into this and, and recognize it and stuff. But if you are going to exercise every day and you are going to get into the aerobic side of things, um, then learning heart rates and where your heart rates are, I think is a really important step. I completely agree. And also learning how to recognize this stuff in your body when something's coming up, because ideally you want to catch yourself before you're overtrained because otherwise you'll be much more injury prone. You know, if you, if you don't catch yourself. The, I've learned from a Joe Friels, the real famous coach from way back in the day. And he said one time, and it really stuck into my head is that uh, the more often you can train at a high level, um, the more gains you will make. And what he means by that is that even within the week, um, you know, if you're scheduling out your week um, if for beginners, I wouldn't do back to back hard days. I would do um, maybe you do a, a high intensity spin class on a Tuesday and then maybe you do some easy yoga on a Wednesday and maybe you can do something else on a Thursday that's a little bit higher intensity. By spacing those days, that, that's basically what he's saying is that you, the more often you can work on a high level. So like you give yourself a little recovery in between your hard sessions, you'll be able to work on a higher level more often, right? Um, and so uh, that, that goes into the big picture as well. You know, we talked about pushing limits and uh, preventing injury. Um, uh, you you want to get to that point where you're just pushing your limits. And for some people that can happen after a week, especially when you get back, can happen after two weeks. Uh, maybe you build up a little fitness and it happens after three or four or five. Regardless, you want to push to that limit and then stop for like seven to 10 days. Take it easy. Do easy stuff. And then come back at your exercise program. And that's, that's how you build over time. See, and, and actually, you just said a key point, And you said something that you said to me a while ago that really stuck with me in that sometimes when you're really going hard and you've done a whole lot of work and you're overtrained, you could need a good seven to 10 days of rest before you feel normal again. Correct. And for people that are truly overtrained, um, you can need up to two weeks to come back to feel normal. And you usually only see that. Uh, the, the, the hardcore of a train. Now, I, I guess I'm wrong. Um, you, if you take someone who's uh, so beginner to running and uh, they get into uh, wanting to run a marathon in that first year um, and they're following a general program and they're not listening to themselves, then sure, they can overtrain. Um, you know, I don't know. They can get injured. Um, you know, overtraining is, is when you talk about that, that mental side of things and where there's like an elongated period of muscle soreness. That's, um, you get into the overtraining aspect there. Um, so now how would somebody, <clears throat> especially somebody starting out, how would somebody be able to differentiate between that soreness and just like osteoarthritis soreness or joint pain that they should try and work through to a certain degree? Cause I use that term lightly because I'm not a huge fan of trying to, you, you want to work through some stuff, you know, but you don't want to work through like, you know, the old adage of no pain, no gain, I find is not very accurate. The older we get. That's true. Um, and, uh, th there's a, there's a fine balance between how hard, um, you need to work to keep things active and loose. Um, and, uh, you know, when you need to back off and go easy. Um, and so, um, again, you know, when I, when you go back into the heart rate realm of things and you see heart rates respond and then obviously if you get into power and those, you see good power, then, um, you know, when you see that and then you have this tweak in the knee, then it could be coming from something or another. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, general muscle soreness, I mean, if you work that hard, depending on what you do, um, you know, kettlebell, I mean, it should be full body. If, you, if you're looking at one location that's consistently sore, um, then obviously you have an issue and you need to address it. 
So that's yeah, you know, and I I I advise people, you know, it's like you know, with, with the saying with arthritis, traditional osteoarthritis is that it hurts to move, but it'll hurt more not to move. And so I really recommend people, who, you know, if you're in pain, you do want to move, but you want to move in ways that aren't going to really hurt you or make you worse. You know, certainly it's going to hurt some to move, but you don't want to be flared up for days afterwards. You know, and you want to be able to kind of recognize, okay, well, you know what, this pain doesn't feel right. Let me back off from exercise for today. It's not going to kill me, but you know, I'll get back into it tomorrow hopefully when I'm feeling a little bit better, you know, um, I think it's important to be able to recognize that and, but then also try and push yourself through certain things that are appropriate to push yourself through while not, not pushing yourself when, you know, when it's inappropriate to. Right. I mean, uh, you, 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 again, you, you want to push uh, to a certain limit and then you want to back off. And, and if you, with anything, I mean, you, you, there's a, you, you have limiters, <laughs> everything's a limiter. So, yep. um, you know, when you look at the endurance side of things, you have all these, you have your lungs, you have your legs, muscles, uh, your brain, um, you know, whatever is limiting you for that day, there's going to be something. And, uh, you know, you can only push that limiter, such as like lungs and the muscles around it for, till so long till they fatigue. And then you have a your choice and, you know, do you keep pushing or not? Um, um, the, the best thing to do is to actually, um, you know, push to that point where something is fatigued, whatever it is. And then, then, then you, you just have to back off it. Now, if you're just lifting weights um, and you're not doing any of the aerobic stuff, um, you can easily just focus on different muscle groups. I mean, uh, if, you've, if you've worked your arms enough and your shoulders and so forth and your core, maybe you can focus on your legs. And, and I, the, you know, getting back, that's, uh, if you're scheduling just strength training, that's how you would schedule it during the week is, um, you know, different muscle groups each day. And it's traditionally how it's always done. Uh, so that you're, um, you're not working the same thing all the time. So. You brought up a valid point about limiters, and that's so key. And I, I talk to a lot of people about that where you're only as strong as your weakest link. You know, whatever, we, whatever link that is, that's weak at that time, whatever's injured, you're, that's, the, that's the rate limiting step or that's what's going to limit you. And what I find too, it's like, you know, you have, we have no idea what somebody else's limiters are when we're seeing them in the gym. You know, and so it's, you don't want it. And all you people out there, please don't try and keep up with other people that you see in the gym because you don't know what their limiters are. They might, you know, you might have had a pretty bad car accident. That makes it so that you can't, you know, raise your arms over your head as easily. Somebody else might be fine with that. Or maybe you had a car accident that irritated your neck and shoulders, and now you sit in front of a computer that makes your shoulders even more tight. So you use certain exercises you can't do. So, you know, you want to listen to your body. You want to listen to your own limiters and let them limit you. We all have our own limitations, and we all want to listen to those limitations because we get in trouble and injure ourselves when we exceed those limitations. Correct. And uh, someone that's a runner can... Uh, be limited by, you know, um, it could be a, a tight uh, quad muscle or uh, or something that's throwing off their cadence. And then next thing you know, um, after running 30 or 40 miles on that or 50 miles, something else goes wrong. And so that, and that, that, that's all of a sudden becoming, became a limiter for you uh, as towards you making more gains. Um, so you then need to figure those out. And I will say that out of all the strength and conditioning stuff I've ever learned <clears throat> when it comes to general fitness and especially for the, all the endurance um, crazies out there, yoga is a probably um, I, an active form of yoga, such as a flow yoga or Ashtanga yoga, um, something that, that works you. Um, it, it is, is a, it's a really simple um, form of strength training that 
is really really effective. Um, and, uh, and I say that because it's full range of motion and it's also incorporates a flexibility aspect. Even with all the strength training that I write um, for the athlete side of things now, I still incorporate yoga stretches into all of those days because you need that balance. Um, and so, you know, sometimes those limiters such as tight quads or tight um, you know, hamstrings or whatever it is can be solved by flexibility. So that's a whole nother subject and a hard, that's a whole nother, um, you know, for, for those that are just getting into exercise and just starting to learn how to, to work out, it's like, man, okay, I just learned how to um, push my body one way with pushing all these weights around. Now I've got to stretch all these muscles and it's a completely different mindset. Um, so um, yeah, but uh, once you start doing the flexibility side of things, and you won't want to go back because it's it feels good to be flexible. Oh, I so agree with you. It's yeah. funny. I was working on a yoga instructor this morning, and I and I angar yoga instructor, and we were talking about how it's like I don't know how people exist without doing yoga. Uh, it just everything is so tight when I don't do it. And you know, I mean, like mm -hmm. in, you know, they talk about in yoga, and I really see it in my practice where every day we have a daily accumulation of tightness. You know, every day we're doing things that are causing things to tighten up just a little bit and just a little bit. And so you want to do something on a regular basis to work some of that tightness out. Otherwise it starts building up. And what ends up happening is those muscles will get tighter and tighter and tighter until they finally tear on a microscopic level, which is what a sprain or strain is. And then the muscle will go into a neurological pattern of spasm and inflammation and create trigger points. And then you have more of a chronic issue going on in your muscles that'll take a lot more time to get calmed down. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, on the physiological side of it, on your side of it. Yeah. That's, um, I agree. I mean, that's, um, uh, um, yeah, I, I would say that, um, trying to incorporate both is, is key and you get back to schedules and you get back to scheduling the week. And the one thing we didn't discuss is, um, is calendars and, uh, and, and holding yourself accountable. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, I think that, um, learning how to, again, space your hard days and, um, and, and incorporate easy days and, um, and then writing it all down. That's, um, I got a buddy who writes it all down on a little notepad. He's kept it for years and tries to match it every year, you know, and, and, and it, it holds them accountable. Um, that's, uh, that's something that uh, a lot of people miss. Um, and, uh, it's easy to do even anywhere, um, even on your phone. So I, I so agree with that. And it's, it's kind of like keeping a food diary in a way where it's like, it's really hard to remember what you did exercise wise last week. It's hard to remember what you ate yesterday, you know, and we have so much stuff going on and I agree. I think it makes a big difference to write down, you know, I, I, I have an exercise kind of a calendar that I write stuff in and write down what I did for the day, wrote how I was feeling, you know, different things like that. Uh, it, it's, I feel, I find it's key to kind of keeping yourself consistent and keeping you on a schedule. Yeah, the the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world are the most uh, detailed, and so and the reason is because they can look back over all this data and see how to make adjustments. Um, and but for the everyday person who is looking to make gains, um, you know, we talked about the consistency part, and we talked about the building from you know, simple to building more. Um, you know, you almost reviewing what you did and keeping track of how consistent you are is sometimes more important than what you need to do ahead. Yeah, I, I agree though. It, it is very important to know what you're doing, what you're going to do, you know, but also what you have done. 
you know, cause that lets you know what you're going to do later on and what you can do. Well, that's correct. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, if, if you see, um, that you have worked out consistently for the past three weeks, then, and let's just say you have a bad week. And so you, you can, you can look back and say, well, you know, and this is why a lot of people hire me because I, I reaffirm them all the time of this, you know, but again, I'm a luxury for a lot of people. And so, um, the average, average everyday person who just wants to make gains, um, you know, the simplest thing to do is to put a paper calendar on the wall or use your uh, Google calendar, however, and just track what you did. You could just even put in, you did an hour today, an hour today, an hour today. Now, if you want to take it to the next level, um, you know, you can, that's when you start incorporating, uh, well, when it comes to the aerobic sides, when you start incorporating heart rates and use heart rate zones and working different parameters with that. Um, so that, t- that makes all of those hours that you're putting in more intense. Uh, a slightly, you know, and there's, there's a, the whole conversation that can happen on that. Um, but when you start doing more, you know, training stress each week, then that's when you start making more gains. Um, so, um, yeah, but, for, but just to get started, um, just by holding yourself accountable and putting little marks on a calendar of what you did and how much you did, you can bank on that. That's the key is once you did it, you can bank on it and, and you can keep pressing on. So, so and for those of you out there who are going to do the pain-free lifestyle exercise uh, program, <clears throat> um, you want to write, you want to write down what you did. You want to record it. You want to have an idea of what you did. So that'll let you know, you know, like my, like what Mike was just saying, you know, if uh, you, if you're tired for a day or even a week, you can look back and say, Oh, I've been exercising hard for the past three weeks. No wonder I'm tired. I deserve a break, you know, or different things like that. It really lets you see that. And it's key to know where you are, what you've done, you know, cause you want to know how, how to proceed on into the future without hurting yourself. And the goal is to do this as consistently as possible without hurting ourselves. And, and the other thing is that it also lets you know what you didn't do. So, you know, because life happens and sometimes a month or two will go by and you don't do much and um, your weight ticks up and, you know, things uh, get out of whack. And so you can look back and say, all right, I haven't done anything the past two months. The unfortunate part of exercise and the human physiology is that it does take a lot of work to make gains in, 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 the, in anything. And it could take years um, to make a certain amount of gains. I'm not going to say that they can all be wiped out in a certain amount of time. Um, but after two weeks of inactivity, you start to kind of lose things. And yeah. so I'm saying complete inactivity after just two weeks. Well, that, um, and the older that you get, the harder it is to build up and the quicker you lose it. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I don't know if I'm a belief too much of a belief in getting older and losing much. I, I've seen uh, my fair share of uh, athletes, and I have a quite a few of them in their late 50s and 60s um, who go at it pretty hard. And, you know, sometimes they um, – and see, on my side of things, I'm able to study power with these guys. Even at 57 years old or 50 years old and you have a power meet on your bike, um, that shows me what you lose when you have two or three months off, okay? And I will say that even – it's sometimes getting older – Sure, the recovery, um, once you push yourself to a certain limit, you need a little more recovery at times here and there. I, I tend to notice that a little bit of myself. Um, it depends on your fitness level. If you're at a very high level of fitness at 60 years old and you're a world champion, um, you're going to recover faster. Um, maybe not the same as a 20-year-old, but pretty close. Um, and so 
you know, I would say that age really isn't going to impact you from what I've seen um, until you're, you know, beyond 70. Uh, we in the field don't really even know that answer because um, we, we're now seeing record numbers of in 50s and 60-year-olds working out and competing. Um, and, uh, and I think that as time goes on, you're going to see record numbers 70 and 80-year-olds competing. Um, if we go back 20 years, it's completely different. Uh, Dude, that, so. that's, that's beautiful. That's great. And I love hearing that. And <clears throat> I kind of look at it as like, kind of like what you said, the main difference as we age is we don't recover as quickly as we did when we were younger. So you just work around it. But, you know, I mean, from friends of ours, you know, um, the one, you know, Scott Root in particular, I mean, he's just a phenomenal specimen to see. I mean, he's in his sixties. He regularly beats people who are half his age on mountain bikes. I want to be like that when I get to be that age, you know? Genetics also help. Um, so yes, have, they do. Yep. If you have a good base of genes, you're able to do some of the stuff. But regardless, I mean, I've I've my sample of people that I've seen, um, which has been quite a many uh, over the years. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that uh, you know they make gains, they keep it. You can get really fit. Um, at, you can get fit at any age. It, it all depends on where you're starting. So you know, if you're if you have never worked out in your mid fifties and you want to lose weight and you want to gain strength. I mean, we got to go back to what we spoke about earlier about starting simple and you're starting with body weight and you're, you're starting with basic aerobic exercise at any intensity for 30 to 60 minutes. And you're starting really simple like that. And with the calendar and you put it all together, um, if you want to make gains, that's how it's going to happen week after week after week being consistent. And then, you know, once you get to a certain point, um, you want to take it to the next level, start seeking out info. And uh, um, again, you can get it back and you get into heart rates, you can get into all that kind of stuff. The, the world of exercise science now is, um, is immense. Yes, it is. You know, <clears throat> in the same vein, though, you can keep it as simple as possible or you can get as complicated as possible. And for most of you out there, if you're going to be starting out, you want to go simple, make it easy on yourself. You, know, you don't have to get crazy complex with this. Um, you, know, you want to go easy so that, you know, one step at a time so that you can, can, can stick with it. But yeah, I, I find the simpler it is, you know, the kind of step by step that you take it, the easier it's going to be to stick with it. You know, um, I love all the different stuff that comes with exercise, you know, but we can also we can keep it as simple as as po as we want to as well you could be a hiker and just want to hike strong every single time you're out in the park and that's a, a simple goal so um yeah it could be anything that makes sense that makes a lot of sense hey cool man well i think we're basically out of time um anything else you want to add mike not at all i think uh you know um we've covered a lot in the conversation so you know again start simple and uh you know press on from there and uh, I say it often. So uh, one day, one week at a time. So that, that makes sense. And so Mike Schultz, you can find him at highlandtraining.net, H-I-G-H-L-A-N-D-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G.net. If you're looking to be, a, if you're looking to train for a marathon, one of the gravel races that are popular now, or any long distance endurance event, he's the man to look for. Um, I'm Josh Cohen. You can find me at cohentriggerpoint.com and pain-freelifestyle.com. Take a look at my exercise and nutrition program and let me know what you think. But well, thank you all for joining us, and I hope you all have a pain-free day. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Pain-Free Day. Make sure you join Joshua Cohen for another program next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Now, go enjoy your pain-free day. Oh, 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 oh,